0: to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me this morning, as always, the lovely and obviously what we just saw, multi-talented, Priscilla McKinney is with me.
1: And with me was Leighton Cordell, my resident (laughs) whistler. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Leighton. That was awesome. That was hilarious.
0: Uh, You know, I I felt like... uh, Uh, When you guys were playing and and doing that, I had this vision of sitting on a porch in a rocking chair. Uh, I I felt like I should have said, hello and welcome to the the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast.
1: (laughs) Now, now. Wandering
0: from the perch.
1: (laughs) I... I don't know who I am. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, just for once, that was a different uh, a different intro to Ponderings from the Purge that yes. we'll never forget. Yes. But thank you for my wonderful birthday present, Dan. Oh, oh my
0: gosh. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> okay. Are- there is no money in the world that could replace uh, what just happened.
1: Well, all my all of my team now wants to kill you. But besides that, <laughs> I will love you forever. Thank you. Um, but this is what's so funny is that, you know, you gave it to me. I just got it tuned, brought it into the office. And so then I came in. I'm like, come on, Leighton, we're going to do a number for everybody. Right. I'm like, certainly, you know, Shenandoah, right? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, sure, sure, I know that. And literally our Internet went out. And we also have VoIP phones. In our whole system. So literally, we're all looking at each other like, how are we going to do work today? Like, it was just so bizarre. And literally, Khalif, one of the designers, spoke up and said, Hey, remember when we had no internet and we couldn't use the phones? And the only person who brought an instrument was Priscilla? <laughs> 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 and I'm all, Hey, guys. We don't we don't have any internet, but we've got the auto harp for the day. <laughs> we do.
0: I, you know, for some reason, I expected to see a photo of you guys uh, huddled around the center of the office uh, by a campfire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the good old days of high-speed internet.
1: Well, I like to think about reading Huckleberry Finn again, or The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, when uh, I when I hear the auto harp for some reason. <laughs> yes.
0: You know what's so funny? I have total flashbacks when I hear an auto harp of my Sunday school. Teacher, because she used to play uh, old hymns on the auto harp, and as kids were like singing along, and it's just
1: yeah. Did she also use flannel graphs?
0: Oh my gosh, she right. totally she... used flannel
1: graphs. Yeah, I know. Jesus feeding the five thousand out of felt.
0: Right, right, right.
1: because yeah. <laughs> you know felt was big back then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was back in the
0: day when we had a lot of felt. Oh my gosh, yeah some Uh-oh. things. Are- Changed, right? So well good morning, Priscilla.
1: Good morning. <laughs> I just I thought everybody would enjoy that treat. And you know, I had this teacher, Mr. I think his name was Mr. Lyman. Yeah. Something like that. And he was the craziest looking like you know how in the cartoons I can't it's, not, it's like, well, Flintstones, those body types are like straight down. But you know how sometimes in cartoons that same era where they're like diamond shaped. They oh, literally yeah, make right. them hard, like not pear-shaped, but they make them like diamond-shaped. Well, literally, this guy was shaped like this. He was the most bizarre-looking person. And I, I like I remember as a kid thinking, wow, you look weird, and I love you so much. <laughs> like I remember that feeling. I've had two teachers in my life that were like that. Right. And um, <laughs> Mr. Lyman, he would have like sometimes there'd be the whole shelves of auto harps, and sometimes we would have a day where you could go get an auto harp and get the book out, and we would all play. Like you could take turns Playing, okay, I want to play this song. And, you know, we'd all play that together. I, I, it was, like, life-changing. Wait, he had a whole shelf of auto harps? Yeah, in a school that I went to, there was a whole shelf. And so your whole class came in, and you could all go get an auto harp, and you'd play together. Wow. Yeah, remember when when schools had money?
0: Yeah, uh, back in the day, yes. There I, was I actual remember teaching
1: that. going on. Yeah, right? there were other things like music and art and languages. <laughs> and auto harps, apparently. <laughs> my, where my daughter goes, there's no art and there's no language. What? Yeah, I know. So, Are anyway. You, seriously? Yeah, remember the good old days when we used to have education? Oh, gosh, <laughs> good lord. Are you, I know, it's crazy. sad. I know, there's a lot of sad stuff, which is why I have an auto harp, so we can, you know,
0: yeah, so, so much for lie. the uh, the lottery taking care of all, all our okay. schools. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> let's
0: not even get into that. Let's no, not let's, even let's start there. Well, when you were in school, what were what were some of your favorite things to either uh, study or or what did you do?
1: I don't remember. There were this is this is what my takeaways are. I remember the auto harp, and I remember he also had days where you could raise your hand and he would play the piano to literally anything. He was a genius, and then I remember this teacher, Mrs. Presley. And literally, she's the ugliest person I've ever, like still to this day, I can't imagine someone uglier. And I mean, I just remember hugging her and loving her and just, she had this huge, like hairy wart on her nose. I'm Ugh. not even joking. And I remember she was the most amazing person I've ever met. Oh. <laughs> just, and, I, you know, and then I remember we went on a field trip with her one time and she brought her husband when we were at a park. And I thought, I remember thinking, you're married? <laughs> This is fourth grade, so you got to remember. Right,
0: that's true. It it wasn't like you're married, oh my gosh, I can't believe someone married you. It was more like just the whole thing of, wow, you're a teacher. It
1: had to be some of that. You don't think they have a life outside of you. Right. Um, And then she proceeded at that picnic to put salt on her uh, watermelon. Once again, (laughs) just blowing my mind. (laughs) Okay, are we going to have a business podcast?
0: I don't know. Maybe, sometimes. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, because I was thinking about this while we were while we were talking about school and everything. Like, mm-hmm. in school, were you one of those people that would never read the assignment or read the books, or, or did you just jump into tests arbitrarily, or were you, like, a, a, a reader?
1: No, I, I, I didn't love to read until I turned 16, and someone gave me The Catcher in the Rye. Really? And I was hooked. I Then I was just like... Books are like this. <laughs> I had no idea. I was so mad. I'm like, all this time I made fun of my sister Michelle. She'd always be in a corner reading something. My mom had amazing books. My whole family is just total bookworms, right? Right. And I just remember looking at her and be like, on a Saturday, really? You're gonna crack one of those open? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just thought books were just the thing I had to do, which is so awesome because I love books. Steve, you know, is a huge reader. Neither one of us owned a TV when we met. We had been years without TV. And now we have, we still don't have cable or regular TV. We have Netflix. I'm, you know, we, we watch stuff. So that's, sure, that's sure. not an issue anymore. But we didn't have it for, I don't know, 20 years. And we love reading. It was so nice to meet somebody who, who, you know, who had just as much a love of reading as I did. And I didn't get burned out in college like some people do with their reading. Like, oh, I can't read anything else now. So, I think probably I didn't burn myself out young. (laughs) So, So I'm good. Good. But I love watching my kids read. In fact, Steve just sent me yesterday. I was working, and he homeschools our two boys. And he's like, yep, roughing it at homeschool. And there's a picture of both my boys on the hammock, and they both have their books cracked open.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And, you know, when they're done, they're done so early in the day, he sends them out and they have an hour of reading to do on their own. And they can pick anything they want. And it's so fun to see them love, like, book series and get into it. Right. I, I love it. But I'm a huge reader now. Oh. But I, you know, I will make a little confession. Yes. I, oh, my gosh, how many things have I confessed to you? <laughs> I, I,
0: you know, I, I feel like I should have a collar and, uh, like, uh, yeah. you a know, confessional or something.
1: Crazy. Well, I had an incredible disdain for business books. Really? Really? longest time forever and it might also i also had a little bit maybe it's not really business books maybe i do it a little injustice i also had a disdain for general pop psychology and you know kind of like the christianese books people i say oh yeah this is a really great book and i'd get reading it, like it just seems so shallow or it seemed like their entire you know 350 page book you could have told me in eight pages and i would have believed you but the filler did not hold up. Oh, you know, and I just I felt like people were always writing for the sake of their own writing. And I'll even back up to say, one of the best books that I've ever read, and I think everybody should read, is How to Read a Book by Mark Van Dorn.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: He is actually he's famous for the whole quiz show debacle. He's in the Van Dorn family who oh, yes. edited the Encyclopedia Britannica. I mean like me, this was a I know quiz show seemed like a silly show to a lot of people and a silly Hollywood thing it was a true story and it rocked the east coast it was like that um upper class very um What do you call it? I wouldn't. Yeah, I think it is like Ivy League. I think they were all Ivy League, but kind of like very intelligentsia Intel. what do you call it? intelligentsia? That'd be like the worst word to use wrong. Um, (laughs) I'm so stupid. I use that word wrong. Anyway, so uh, but that you can see I don't use that word a whole (laughs) lot. The whole like society got rocked because he it turned out he did cheat. And it was for ratings. I remember that. But it was supposed to be on his own merit. Well, he was intelligent. It was like only one question that basically he threw for the sake of some rating thing. But anyway, I digress. The point is, his family really never made it out of that shame. But he wrote an amazing book called How to Read a Book. And it really helps you before you even turn the cover. What's the title? Who is it? Why are they writing this? What are they trying to get you to do? What do they, How do they benefit from it? Right. Really, would you benefit? It goes on. But it really helps you have a good idea of what is going on. And you, if you look at a lot of business books, sadly, the reason why I hated a lot of them, were I felt like they were revisionist history. Oh. Somebody really got successful and they look back and they say, I did it because I always – Put culture first. So right. my book is called Culture First. I'm making fun of myself right now because I'm trying to think of, okay, how did I get here? How did we become a success in relatively small amount of time? And I'm trying to think of that. And I can think. I put at the front of mine. it's like because I've always held my culture to be first. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what about the times when I haven't held it first? What about when I threw it out the window because things weren't going right? Or I when I doubted it? Or when I, you know, or whatever. My whole point is that would I also share the things I did wrong in that? And would that be helpful? But I find most business books are a treaty on basically all the things that person did right and how amazing they are. Mm. (laughs) And I'm always like, yeah, it doesn't work like that. So it's hard for me. Sometimes I feel like there's sometimes a lot of disingenuous writing maybe or and and then I ask myself, why are they putting it this way? And then I find that there is now a little bit of a culture out there where people are being vulnerable and saying, look, this didn't work and this, you know, and there is more of a sense of this is what you have to do at this stage. This is what you have to do at this stage. And I guess That's totally my opinion and my take on it, but I fear, definitely steer clear of books that I feel gloss over the difficulty.
0: Right, because you don't want to read a book where somebody says, I knew all along that this was going to be a a wonderful thing. It's like you want to hear people overcoming uh, tragedies or, you know, difficulties. It's like that's... I mean, -hmm. mean, that's like the cornerstone of any movie or any sort of story. It's like, wow, this guy was stuck in this, and then he overcame it and became this, and and all that. Yeah, I agree with you
1: 100%. I think there's always learning too. The arc happens in the story, but what's the next thing? I don't know. I just never got a satisfactory introduction to on a book that actually admitted that, okay, there, you know, as soon as I learn this, there are like three other things that I needed to learn. And that's how I feel as a business leader all the time. Yeah, I, I, got, I got that mastered now. But I think that I have been very open with my style. You know, now I have another coach who's just absolutely amazing. And now I have enough people in business who understand my style and understand what I'm trying to achieve and what I am capable of, and they're giving me great suggestions of things, and I'm not wasting my time on stupid books. Right. right. So, and, and I think you can also tell a lot of those titles. If it's seven easy steps, just put it away. Right. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Nothing getting done in seven easy steps, let me assure yeah. you.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I've, I've tried to figure out the four-hour work week, and I still end up broke. Uh-huh. I don't know what the deal is.
1: <laughs> you know what it is? That we all bought the book. Ah, the there
0: point. you go. Apparently. <laughs> well, now this poses the question. Are, are you going to write a book?
1: You know, I have been thinking about it. And
0: I think you totally should. There's I mean, honestly, it, I, because of the very reasons that you set forth, what I'm hearing is like, let me let me turn it around. You want to do a book that is the antithesis of all the other business books you've read.
1: Right. And that would probably be putting me on too big of a pedestal to say I could ever <laughs> write the antithesis of it. But yeah, I think that's the general idea is that I want something that I want to read, something that would help me, because a lot of people say, like, for example, oh, my gosh, if I hear this phrase one more time, be slow to hire, quick to fire. Okay, you know what? I am just coming into I'm in year six and we've got 12 people. I am just coming into the 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 lobby of where that is possible.
0: Right. Right.
1: Because let me just tell you, before 12. Oh, my God. Can you work? Do you breathe? (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to steal from me? you know I mean, just like let's get down to the basics here I, I I know other people would probably revise it and be like, "Oh no, you have to do these things. These are principles. just like I did not always live in the luxury of doing business in the exact way that you line it out, mm. and there's also something about entrepreneurship that is so stunningly uncomfortable, and it makes you not do everything the right way or the way that you wish it could be. Sometimes you just have to get it done. Mm. And I feel like there's not a lot of room for people to feel that. I think there's a lot of shame around like entrepreneurs won't say how they got it done or what they're making or where they're messing up because there's not space to say that because there's all these great, books. oh, well you should have hired slow and fired them fast. You know, if you have fired people, people whose families are depending on the paycheck that you sign, then come tell me about firing fast. Right. And it right. is there's a lot more involved in just these little adages and that's really what I don't like. Mm-hmm. Some adages are helpful, but they also they belong to certain times in your company, in startup phase, there just is not the luxury of those kinds of things. And I think you need to grow into them. You need to have them. You need to have them be there. But I, the amount of shame I think I felt in the first five years of these adages that people told me that one day, I, you know, they, they were saying, you got to do that now. you got to do that now. And I'm like, you don't live in my shoes. This is not possible right now.
0: Right, right.
1: And so I just feel like there's a, just a, there's a big divide in that. And now what's crazy is that I'm walking into those years where I'm in heavy process now. I'm not like desperate higher you know situation anymore. Right. Defcon right. 3. Or <laughs> uh is that the worst one? Defcon 3?
0: Uh Def, I think it's Defcon 5.
1: Okay. Oh wait,
0: it. no. Defcon <laughs> is, it, is it 5 or 1? I think it goes the opposite way. I think
1: Can I we think, please find that out?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Cuz people be going, "What?
1: What?" I'm just telling you. It was all hands on deck. Oh, I use look, I used two submarine connotations there. That's good. That was good. Okay. But, you know, I just feel like sometimes people throw these things around like, Oh, of course, just higher slow and fire fast. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You have no idea what I'm going through right now, <laughs> so I'll talk to someone else. And I that was what was frustrating. Even like, oh, my gosh, I love Ariana Huffington so much, and I, I, I would love to talk with her about her new book. I've met her, and she's a big supporter of Merging Women and just very lovely, very lovely. But, you know, her book, when she came out, not the recent one, but the one before about Thrive, about her putting nap rooms in her you know, at her work and about, you know, getting people to go get sleep and go get sleep and everything like that. But sounds so lofty from that perspective of it. But on the other hand, what you don't hear is that those people are there well over 40 hours a week. They're there. Right. Those people are practically living at that office. It's a news organization. Right. And so they need to go nap. Well, that doesn't apply to me. We work 40 hours and go home. Yes. Yes. I don't need to provide a napping studio for my people. They need to go home. It's like taking those kinds of things with a grain of salt. Now, is great sleep a great conversation for me to have with my people, especially with creatives? Absolutely. I think any kind of self-care is going to go a long way. So that's kind of my long confessional about business books in general.
0: Nice. Wow. So is, is How to Read a Book your favorite book of all time?
1: No, still yes. catcher in the ride <laughs>
0: still catcher in the ride there you go. I didn't know if maybe over the course
1: of our conversation it switched but. actually, I have to admit, Catcher in the ride got me into j d. Salinger, but my absolutely number one favorite book of all time is Franny and Zoe by J D. Salinger. Wow, oh my gosh, that book changed my life,
0: really yeah, like what what about it changed your life? What was it that touched you?
1: The Jesus Prayer? you haven't read the book so. no, I haven't I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. the Jesus Prayer it's about like who we do things for the idea of in my opinion the audience of one Mm. and it's the most crazy screwed up family it's so interesting and they also they it's a family of like vaudeville performers and so they've grown up on the stage and the dog and pony show and all this stuff and then they're getting older the two youngest ones franny and zoe are kind of contemplating the meaning of life and why all this fame and why the family it's it's a big family systems book, so here, that's like a very I just put a very thin veneer over family <laughs> 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 that's probably why I like it. You know, I'm the youngest of a family of perform- traveling performers. Right. You know, and it's them basically coming of age and trying to understand why they do this, why they go out, why they perform. And it's, I don't want to ruin it, but in the end, it's it's the fat lady. It's there's somebody in the audience that they're there for. It's just, it's it's such a beautiful sum up. I mean, it is really, really awesome. And it's, of course, is J.D. Salinger's amazing, like, stream of consciousness that's just right riveting in my opinion
0: well let me let me tell you about a couple books that i've read that,
1: okay uh, well to start off
0: i was a voracious reader when i was in uh junior high and high school you know when remember when they had book days at school where they oh, come yeah. by and you had you got it was almost like going to a sushi bar
1: did you have a bookmobile?
0: ah uh, you know what did we have a bookmobile? that's a great question i know we did when i lived in when I was going to grade school in uh, the Los Angeles area, but when I moved to Northern California, mm-hmm. they had like they I guess they would just ship the books in and then yeah you know, distribute them from a room. But kind you of, ordered kind of
1: them demo days.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly <laughs> like that, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I I used to read everything, and then as I got older, I started going to the supermarket that had that revolving circular rack of paperback yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Remember those? Yes. I would read everything I could find, like i i gra- i kind of read books the way i bought albums back in the day it's like if it had cool cover art right i'd buy it
1: i'm which, i'm totally with you
0: <laughs> which got me in trouble a couple of times because i i bought the uh the story of o what do you, you've never heard of the story of o no. it's, it's basically let's see how can i keep this uh pg-13 for the audience <laughs>
1: I already blew my explicit rating on the last one. Yeah, that's so, true. So you did, no. <laughs> but it was sort
0: of like the the early predecessor to Fifty Shades of Grey, except oh, more explicit. Okay. Uh-huh. And and like I'm a I'm a 14 a year old kid reading this. I'm like, uh,
1: yeah, no. what?
0: So yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I went through puberty rather early. <laughs>
1: Yes. and through one book. Yeah, <laughs> through one
0: book, like, just changed my life.
1: <laughs> well, you have the book of O, I have the Jesus Prayer. That's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which perfectly sums up our relationship.
1: I know, right?
0: <laughs> but when I got older, I started uh, wanting to learn about business and marketing and things like that, so I started picking up these books, and one of the first ones that I picked up, I was... Um, Uh, I was going to tell you about that is a brilliant freaking book, and I love it to this very day. It's Wes Roberts' Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun.
1: Oh my gosh, are you kidding me?
0: Oh my, I could read that book every week and still get something
1: new out of it. One of my old bosses used to call me Priscilla the Hun. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. I wrote it down. I'm good. This is good. Let, let's like exchange a few and okay. like why you liked it. And hopefully people can find something that's like, we don't waste people's time. Is like, okay, what is good about this?
0: Right. It's, so what did you learn? Well, what I learned was that basically business or or working a business is very much parallel to uh, Sensu's Art of War. Mm-hmm. And the way that they structured this book was like, taking bits of, you know, accomplishments and things that Attila the Hun did and how that would apply to business today. And, I mean, there are some, there's some things in there that that I, I necessarily wouldn't agree with as far as, like, you know, some of the more... Uh,
1: Control, mass starvation, and, yeah, and I, raping I and pillaging of towns. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't
0: know. They didn't really have a blueprint for the raping and pillaging of okay. villages. But, I you know, it's, like, things similar to that, like... Mm-hmm bordering unethical business practices like I don't know it's but that was a very small part of the book but Mm -hmm. overall I felt it it gave such a good sense of like here is how you conduct business to win right and sometimes winning actually means you know cut your losses and start over ah yeah so it's really brilliant and it's such an easy read too it's very it's it's a very small book but high I highly recommend it so it's a good read
1: well, I just I just finished uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is about creativity oh. and how to live a creative life, and also the ideas of how how ideas come to you, the magic, and as she puts it, I'm not talking like poo-poo magic. She's like, I'm talking real Hogwarts magic, you know, <laughs> and she's like, throw down. And she gives really great examples. But I love that she speaks so much to the creative person. Yeah. And obviously, for our business, that is so important. How do we actually live lives that are organized in business, and we have deadlines, and we have all these things that we must do. But how do we integrate that into a creative life? And how do we create the space and self care and understanding of inspiration, she talks a lot about inspiration, and how that comes comes to you and how really the the holiness almost of inspiration and I was lucky enough to hear her talk when this book first came out and she basically gave you know her talk about the book and so I've heard these things right from her and also when I say read book I mean I'm, I'm usually reading half of what I'm doing and the other half I'm listening to I actually listened to it which was totally enjoyable because it was Elizabeth Gilbert narrating it
0: oh wow
1: so that was super nice but I do love this thing that she said that I wish more creative people would hear younger and that is oh my gosh, whatever you do, free your life up. Don't get yourself so down in debt that you can't live the creative life that you'd like to live. And that was very beautiful for me. You know, this idea of schooling is not necessarily the end all be all. And what's very interesting is that's truly been... True here at Little Bird. I have not hired someone based on their schooling or their accomplishments. I have two people right now who work for me who went and got their GED because school sucked so much. Well, I think anybody can appreciate that. Right, right. (laughs) You know, and then went on to get skills. I look at it and say, well, do they have the skills and do they have the wherewithal to be in our culture? And then for me, it is, are they open? Are they living a life that, that creativity has room? And, it, and you have an understanding and respect for inspiration because you cannot squeeze creative people and get more out of them. It's right. not possible. That's not how it works. And so I think that book was lovely. And even though, uh, you know, my, I'm, I'm a business owner, but I, I'm a very creative person in my own time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and so for me, it's just a really beautiful reminder of how you carve the time out. And I have a daughter who's ridiculously creative. And and I say, that I don't think it's a measure. Everybody's creative. It's that she spends the time on it. And that's, I think, one of her other points is that we are all creative. It's that people choose to carve out their life in whatever way in order to invite that genius. Right. And, sit, wait for it. and she really hones in on the work that it is like it's not you know this first of all you don't have to suffer which I love that message from her please quit being a suffering artist it's driving all of us crazy right (laughs) you know (laughs) nobody wants to hear it and if you're suffering she's like I don't think that's creativity I don't think that's genius at work I think that's tragedy and sorrow and it's something else but it's not creativity and sometimes you just have to work at it, like you show up to work. And Stephen King was famous for this. I, You know, I don't know if you read his book on writing. Absolutely. One of oh, isn't that good? It was
0: such a brilliant, it changed my life, really, as far as when I uh, I read it when I was uh, a magazine editor, and it totally changed my life.
1: Yeah, that, I think that is equally, like, this This uh, big magic is on par with that, With, in my opinion, is saying a lot. Mm-hmm. I really loved a lot of what he had to say. And Annie Lamott, too, has great stuff about writing. and, and But anyway, th- that idea of creativity is just, it's so important for me to hear again and again as I manage so many creative people. And as I remind everybody in our company, everybody's creative. How you uh, open your mind up and invite creativity even to how we handle accounts is very important.
0: Right. right.
1: What else has you read that's been awesome?
0: Oh, you know, one of my other favorite books that I just got done reading like within the last couple of months is, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Talk Like Ted. Mm -hmm. And it's basically how to give a kick-ass presentation. That's, if I could bundle it down to its barest form, it's like, how do you engage an audience? How can you give a talk that, is uh, compelling and attractive and where you can actually gain the audience's attention because you know, as well as I do, like you can sit down and within the first five seconds go, Oh man, I'm, I'm going to take a nap or yeah. wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so it goes through all of those steps and uh, it's talk like Ted by, <laughs> I love the guy's name, Carmine Gallo.
1: Which, right.
0: <laughs> which, which okay. sounds sounds like he, he he was on happy days running a uh, Italian restaurant.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> I love it. But hey, you know what? I bumped into that book. I haven't read it. So I'm going to I'm going to read that one. But I bumped into it because I started Presence, oh. which has been linked together to it. It's and it's it's a bestseller right now. Um so I'm not telling a lot of people probably something they don't know, but it's Amy Cuddy and it's Presence. It's um the subtitle it's something like being your most bold self. In the most difficult, you know, facing the most difficult challenges or something, I should go look it up and see what the subtitle is. But it is, it, it, she it, she came from a TED Talk. You can watch her TED Talk, and about how just your stance, like literally, like the way you stand, how that Im- can improve your performance in a difficult conversation oh, yeah. or, you know, everything from job interview or whatever, but it's about like getting over that, that feeling of feeling phony or on the other hand, being too powerful, like, you know, dominating or being powerless. Yes. So it's this idea of like, there's these big times in our lives and we need to stand have a stance that is appropriate and genuine and that will give us our boldest self in the moment yeah and so I think that's connected to your TED talk one because she she did a TED talk and I think that's very connected I love the the trend of TED talk because it's basically what did it start with the the, the tagline like your best and brightest thought in 10 minutes right, right. or something like that. I'd I'd have to go look it up. But this idea of this is funny because that's kind of like my problem with business books. I guarantee you if it's that riveting, you can tell it to me in 10 minutes Mm. and make an impact on my life. You know, and if I'm more interested, I'd like more, more details. Right. But the crux of what you have to say you know is it powerful enough to move me in ten minutes
0: right right and I mean, if you think about it, that's really the the essence of advertising and marketing it It really is grabbing someone's attention, giving them the information, and if they want more information, they can either go buy the product or they can uh, research more i I've always found that fascinating how it gets broken down into such a science of Here's what we need. Here's the information. How do we convey it in such a way that is compelling and riveting enough to where people are going to want to just jump
1: on it? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Um, I also um, I also just uh, read Finish Big by Bo Burling. I think it's Burlingham.
0: Oh, I've seen that. I've, I have not read that yet, but I have seen that.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because it's it's about um, exit strategies. Hmm. And I actually read it because a client of mine, um, his, his service is providing exit strategies. <laughs> and so it, I really needed to get into it, into research. And, but I found it absolutely fascinating. It was such a good read. And it's like really in-depth research and firsthand accounts from former business owners and gives like their perspective in how they developed a business that would outlast themselves. Really? And yeah, and I think that, you know, people think about that too late. Um, in fact, I was in a networking group with a lady who sells businesses, and I ended up in this fantastic conversation with her. And she talked with me about their consulting services to look at your company early, five and 10 years before you're looking to sell it or transition out, because there are things you need to put into place to make your company sellable. Oh, interesting. And to develop it as a real viable entity, or or to start a process of are you going to sell it to your employees? Are you going to you know what are you going to do? But there's just so many questions, and I felt like it was along that same line. And I actually had I, I paid her to do some consulting and and help us develop you know some uh, residual income, some just think through what do our contracts look like? What are every business can benefit from really thinking about how are you going to finish this thing. Mm. I'm, I'm only 44. I'm not going to finish it anytime real soon here. Right. Um, but I want to be thinking like that. So that was finish big.
0: Wow. That's interesting. That's such an interesting concept because, you know, it, most, I, well, my judgment is most people are concerned about how do I make it big?
1: Right. right? Yeah. It's like
0: I want to make it big and how do I sustain that forever mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than saying, okay. This is where I want to be, and this is how I want it to end.
1: Right, and I think there are three three basic stages of business. One is in startup, and the next one is in processes, mm-hmm. the process development, process refinement. And I think you can be there for a long time. Right. And right. then there's legacy. You know, is it going to outlast you? And I just I feel like I just crossed over this last year from startup to process, and I think it would be very beneficial to to add some of those concepts of what am I going to have to deal with in Legacy and make sure that they're carved into my processes now. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I like that. No. Okay, but let me talk about this crazy one, though. Oh, yeah. Please. I've been dying to tell you about this one. In fact, I just, just, just finished it, which is probably why it's still on top of my mind, but it's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It is about... He would say, here's his subtitle, conquer your hidden fear and take life to the next level. And I just feel like that does not do it justice. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but different people get different things out of it. But his, it was recommended reading from my coach who I obviously tremendously respect. And I thought, sure, you know, there's a, um, a book a month that I read with her. And then, I don't know, maybe I read three others. I think that's probably pretty good. My, my husband and I just finished The Martian. Oh, really? <laughs> that was our bedtime story. Yeah, we're always reading a bedtime story. I'm not, all of my stuff is <laughs> mindset <laughs> and business and everything else. And then right now I'm reading, uh, riding the Iron Rooster by Paul Theroux, which is basically one of my favorite travel narrative writers. And it's a, it's an older book, but it's him taking the train, the Trans-Siberian train literally from, is him from England all the way through inner Mongolia, all right. the way to China. Wow. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. So I read other stuff that's just fun and not this like. Right, heavy, I, deep. Him, Yeah, I am a business master, you know, (laughs) so anyway, but this was required reading for my coaching sessions and I really liked it at first. I'm like, this is odd. Okay, I'm trying to get to it, but then it came on some subjects and he calls it upper limit issues.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Which are like basically, I think you would appreciate this a lot because of the work you do with the counseling the oh, right, right. that you work with and how much you are really, you and your wife are just completely bent on helping people kind of get past. Right. Um, Maybe themselves, maybe you'd say. Yeah. But what is holding people back? And I know that seems like a really trite statement, but he had a really interesting idea around it. The idea that we do not have enough tolerance in our lives, in ourselves, in our beings, in our minds, in our hearts. For more good things, that we hit these upper limit problems when basically we start getting something we intuitively on in in a core of who we are feel that we do not deserve, Mm. and so when we get there, this is why people who have tremendous success many times will start sabotaging themselves, or. I find a lot, this is a really lot of my passion, I find that women will get some success and then they'll turn around and start playing small.
0: Interesting.
1: They'll diminish it. Oh, no, no, I didn't want to get that big and I didn't want to be that good. And I, you know, I, that was just a fluke. And they, you, it's like, how do you interpret that, that notion that you would not admit to someone else, but you feel you are fundamentally flawed and you don't deserve that success? And so it kind of taps into that idea, which obviously gets into psychology and things like that sure. but It's about even things in your childhood it, it things through siblings also what you had to do to get attention from siblings again, I could digress for hours <laughs> 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 uh, but uh but This notion of how we can go about sabotaging not only our success, but I loved how he translated it also our relationships, the richness of the relationships we could be having both at work and at home, because it almost like the goodness is too much. And you know that you have friends, I have friends who deflect compliments, they just cannot take a compliment, self deprecating. But then there are other I thought, oh, yeah, that's someone else. And then he read through a list of some other things that people do. What are the strategies that people in, in order to come apart right, right. in order to sabotage you know, it was just like food alcohol and and then i hit this one getting sick right when there's a big moment
0: oh and literally
1: okay this is the funny this is a total you know revelation so i was out in north carolina with my coach and I mean, she took me through this thing that was so amazing, worth every penny that I've ever spent with her about an audit of my team. And I could not get past something. I just, I'm like, how am I going to do this? And it was like, not in my mind, like this willful, like I literally, I mean, this is why I'm paying someone, right? Help me see past this. I, I have a vision. Here's my vision. What I'm not always good at is putting this on a chart and making everybody else uh, see it.
0: Right, Right. So
1: please help me translate my vision. That's what I've gone to her for. And so literally she did it for me. And I just stared at this two like huge poster, two page chart. And just, I, I could see my whole company out exactly how I want it in the next three to five years. And I literally so bowled over and just so, I mean, I'm just like relieved. I can't even tell you so many feelings, relieved, scared, felt vindicated. I mean, all these kinds of feelings, right? Wow. And so then I'm out talking with some people and everything. And so I'm excited to get on the phone the next day. I'm traveling back and talk to people and say, hey, this is what needs to happen. This is what needs to happen. So I'm pumped and everything literally that night I go to dinner by the end of that night by nine o'clock I have no voice really I'm literally I, I can't even whisper and what was weird is like you know when you get sick your throat hurts right my throat did not hurt I didn't have any other symptoms of being sick I literally had no voice and he I'm listening to this and he's telling about your body when there's a big challenge and there's a thing and you you don't know, have this big opportunity Your your body many times out of self-protection Will do something to protect you and keep you from having to risk it all. Mm. And I'm listening to this going, BS. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, literally, I'm listening to that on my way into Asheville, and literally, the thing happens to me. And I leave and literally for two days, I have no voice. Now, thank thank goodness. I'm like listening to it. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go back to that chapter. Let's listen to that again. And, you know, ask myself, was I taking care of myself? I was totally taking care of myself. I was getting the sleep. I was getting, you know, feeding myself right. I was doing all these things. I even like when I went there, instead of missing my Pilates class in town, I was in Asheville. I just dropped in on a Pilates class and went to one so I wouldn't miss my exercise, you know. And so I'm doing all these things. I'm like, oh, my goodness, could it be? that this is a next big moment, a next level. And my body is scared Mm. and it is trying to protect me from opening my mouth and calling something into being how interesting and now i just lost probably 50 percent of my listeners <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think i would have taken that part of that book if it had not been happening to me right in that moment and i'm wow. not saying that people bring on sickness i'm not trying to make a bigger statement than that and all sickness is psychosomatic i'm not saying that but there was no other reason for me to not have a voice that day wow it's literally happened right there here. I'm networking, talking with other people. And it totally happened. And it made me start thinking, how do we do that? And then, you know, you can take that into other things, even in relationships, you know, when you really need something, instead of saying, I need this, I need a little TLC, I need that. A lot of times you'll start an argument instead.
0: Right. Right.
1: Or maybe at home or at work, things are getting big. Things are kind of like, you know, happening for you and you'll withhold information. Yes. Or you're trying to control someone or you'll seek to let someone control you. Oh. One that comes up for me that wasn't in his book, but I, from Brene Brown, which, okay, number three book of all time, The Gifts of Imperfection. Mm. Absolutely. But for me, a lot of times that comes out when I'm afraid or when things are not happening right. My immediate thing is to shame someone or at least blame somebody. Right. (laughs) If they're not there, I'll blame them. But if they're there, I'll shame them because, hey, you're right here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just happen to be the scapegoat of the moment.
1: Right, right. Because I can't hold the pain of the tension of the moment. So i rather get it out on someone else. Mm. And it's so inappropriate. Wow. And that idea of being able to hold on to the, the pain or just like listen to it, like, you know, just give it some space and hear it and things like that. But this idea from, up, you know, upper limit problems, he says, is like a lot of these things when you start having problems, ask yourself, are these upper limit problems? Is it because you're about to take a next big leap and you have not built up the tolerance for good things in your life?
0: Wow, interesting
1: no <laughs> great right? and and the the general idea is to help you understand hey you have a genius zone which is I think really his point but I love this other stuff so much that you know you have a genius zone so quit doing stuff that's not in your genius zone right, right. And in order though do that which is not a concept I don't think we've heard from other places I love Kristen Wheeler's native genius. Right. That's an amazing concept. I think that's right in here with genius work. Yeah, I mean, and there's just a lot more to talk about about the book, but hopefully I've given it a ringing endorsement already, and I think you should read Big Leap. Big Leap. Okay, I will write that one down. I think that's... Well, this is really fun. Let's think about a couple other, and we'll we'll do a a podcast here and there on sharing a couple of other things, because I think if you really get an endorsement from someone as opposed to, you know, just because it's been on a national bestseller doesn't mean I really want to read it.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, well, Priscilla, thanks for sharing like your uh, your book list with me. I feel like I'm on Oprah's book club or something.
1: Hi, hi. <laughs> so, I'm going to
0: have to have to do that. And readers of readers. I keep calling them readers. I don't, I know, don't know why do that twice. is. That's okay. That's okay. Well, we're talking about reading, so I guess I can leave that. Well, listeners, of course, we want to hear what your favorite books are and what has been inspiring to you as you've been going on through your entrepreneurial journey, or even if you're just starting your entrepreneurial journey. It could be that. We would love to hear what's been inspirational and what's motivated you. So, of course, you can always comment on our Facebook page on the Little Bird website or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. So for Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, this is Dan Ledbetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying have a great day.